Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. Oh, yes! Welcome back to another episode of Tube Talk presented by vidIQ. I am your host, Viper, the man about tech. Executive producer here at the IQ, and this podcast is going to be a little different. But before we get started with this week's episode, I got to once again shout out Carly and her son, Axel, who, as you all know, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, he is seven years old and he listens to Tube Talk. And now he's running around saying some of my catchphrases. So shout out to Axel. But Axel is asking, or Carly, I should say, is asking, is there Tube Talk merchandise? Because she would like to get some for Axel. Unfortunately, Carly, there's no Tube Talk merchandise right now, but I will take up your request with the marketing team and see what we can do. Uh, Maybe we can have some merch made, but that is something that I will bring to the team. But unfortunately, at the moment, we do not have any merchandise, but I appreciate you and Axel listening to the podcast each and every week. So once again, thank you to the both of you. So as I alluded to a moment ago, this podcast is going to be different because basically what happened was that a few weeks ago, we had a guest on our live stream on YouTube. His name is Ed, and he has a YouTube channel called Film Booth. And he teaches you how to make better videos and film better. And he talks about gear and different things like that. And we had him on the live stream, and we were talking to him about things that he realized before a light switch flipped off in his brain, and he figured out how to be successful on YouTube. He is now over 100,000 subscribers on the platform. So this week is going to be part one of talking about how he was failing on YouTube until he learned lessons that he needed to learn to become a better content creator and ultimately a better YouTuber. So the conversation was about 90 minutes long. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to split it up into two podcasts. You will get part one this week. And then next week, we will finish up with part two of the conversation between Rob, Dan, and Ed of Film Booth. Unfortunately, I was not there. So this is the conversation that was had between Rob Wilson, Dan, and Ed of Film Booth on the YouTube live stream. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get part one out of the way. So let's roll to the podcast. So let's talk a little bit about the the theme of of today's live stream. Uh, We were talking prior to having this live stream, Ed, about just like what led you to where you're at now on your channel, right? So yeah. uh, about, what did you say, about a year ago is when things started to really take off? Uh, so last March was where I decided to change my strategy and just stop making three videos a week for search. Um, and then June was when it all kicked off with the video I made. And then it was like people discovered the content that I'd been putting all the effort in since March. So there was like March, April, May, June. There's like three months of content sitting there which has put a lot of effort into and they, and they were doing better, but they were still never really popping. Um, and yeah, when one popped, then all those videos started getting views, you know, the chain started to work and that was it really just one kicked off. And then from there, it's just a game of, uh, the, building the community, which is kind of my main focus. It's like bringing people back rather than I'm not so fussed about always finding new. I, I like to bring people back and like, you know, get return viewers, to me, that's what a subscriber should be, not just mm-hmm. a person who hit a button. So that's my sort of goal in terms of viewers. And then to just sort of consistently build from there. But I think a lot of people think you're constantly trying to go viral. And I know that my content's not going to go viral. And I know a video that will. If I'll just talk about Mr. Beast when he releases his like next chocolate bar and big video. 
Mm -hmm. It's a lot easier to get views when there's a trend and so on. There's not many trends in our niche. Well, not that I look that hard. <laughs> but yeah, that's what happened. How many subscribers were you at back in March? I think like 6,000. Or... And this was March of last year, not the March we just had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I so, mean, that would be impressive. <laughs> so under 10,000, and then in a year's time, you're at 168,000 subscribers. And thus, the title of the live stream, I failed at YouTube until I did this. And you wanted to go over five different subjects that, I guess, brought you from where you were to where you are now. Yeah. These were all the things I was doing wrong that when I solved them started to work. So let's just look at the term fail. The term fail wasn't in terms of my subscriber count. I was just doing the same thing over and over again and not really you know, expecting something to get traction. I was like, let's keep making videos you know, eventually it'll work. And it wasn't. And I was like, hmm, need to do something different. How long would you feel you've been doing that part of it, Ed? Just trying the same thing and expecting something different to happen? Are we talking years, hundreds of well, videos? It was, um, it was my own fault in that I'd always had this thing in my head. Well, it was part of a business and we actually wanted search and Google views for about a year. And yeah. in all fairness, it worked in terms of bringing in business. So that element of it wasn't really failing. It wasn't doing amazing. But it was definitely help and it pretty much saved us pre-lockdown because we picked up clients from YouTube that wanted remote work doing. So that was actually a hit in terms of like it was starting to work for the business. But in terms of like it was confusing, I'd look at it and be like, I've got 6,000 subscribers. And when I release this video, it gets 90 views in a week. And I'd never, ever thought about it before. And I was like, that doesn't seem right. Because I was so focused on what they would do three or four months down the line. And the problem is when you're making three videos a week and then you're like, oh, I'll check out the results in six months. You don't because there's too much content to keep an eye on. So I never looked. I'd go back every now and then. But yeah, I was just it was a it was a numbers game. Just smash out loads of content, rank some stuff. It'll bring people back to the channel and generate inquiries. I did that for like 18 months. I never missed a post. And it was a case of just writing a quick video, shoot it. I'd batch shoot 36. <laughs> I used to be 36 videos ahead of schedule. Wow. And Goodness. yeah, I just wow. honestly, it's not that hard when you don't put much effort into the content. So it's search stuff. Some are like, you know, short tutorials, some are a bit longer. It's way easier than doing what I do now. But I just sit down in the studio because we had the production company at the studio, put the auto queue on, hit record, just reel off these short videos. And then editing was just a bit of text, piecing them together, not much work. And yeah, I don't know what changed in me where I was suddenly like, I want. This is embarrassing. I think it was. I was like, "How do I? I'm not, I don't want to be a channel. It's getting, you know, our plan was to hit five hundred thousand subscribers in ten years, and I'd worked out if we grew six percent a month every month from where we started at, we had like two hundred subscribers to start because they'd started the channel like years ago and just dumped some random videos on it, you know, like people do, and I'd picked up some complete strangers. So I thought, yeah, we'll do it for ten years. If it gets a half a million, the whole point was to stop a half a million. It was just going to be a 10-year marketing thing rather than, you know, this, this ultimate goal of getting subscribers. It was more about the journey and picking up business over that 10 years. And then, yeah, I just thought, wow, this is, this is a lot of work for 90 views. And I went through and I thought, oh, hang on, there's lots of videos here that never did anything. I thought, I'm probably just wasting my time here. <laughs> and I'd always had this fear of, don't want to put more effort into this. See how, see how little effort I can get away with. And yeah, when I decided, I was like, maybe I'll do a few months of effort. You know, I give it a give it a bit more of what you're capable of. I didn't take very long for that 90 views to turn into a thousand, but never really broke past that. I was getting comments like, "Why are you bothering with all this effort when you've only got 800 views?" I just sort of stick to the plan, just keep going. And then yeah, the one I thought was going to pop in terms of like doing well, I was like, "I reckon this video will get 10,000 views. Should be a record in like a month." And then we got a million. 
<laughs> so it's like that changed everything. And then all the content I put the effort into, and this is what's cool about putting effort into and not even getting traction, is that when you do, you've got lots of content for people to watch. If you just have one video, well, you pick up subscribers, but it's just one video, right? You've got to give them a bank. So yeah, that, that was what happened, really. It was just a bit of self-reflection. And then I got obsessed thinking, why did you get views from quick? And started looking more into traffic sources and thought, right, I'll make a video that doesn't have a keyword in. And yeah, that one got like 350,000 views. So I thought, <laughs> new system. So that was what got me here. What does effort mean to you, Ed? Because, you know, you talk about batching 36 videos. That sounds like quite a lot of effort, even if it is low effort per video. Uh, but now you have this new approach to things. So like, explain briefly what effort means in terms of creating one video on the channel now. I've not met a YouTuber who gets growth quick, who hasn't made it their life and their obsession. Like, that's effort. It's I wake no. up and this is the first thing I think about. So I talk about all day, I talk about people all day. I meet up with other big YouTubers and we chat with each other. We go past the level of what you would expect. I know YouTubers who have acting lessons to make their presenting that little bit much more better. They're studying books on psychology. Everything is about getting better and better. So the effort now is not just about the content. And I've left YouTube for learning now. I'm just turning to other places, books and studying textbooks because I can't find certain things on YouTube, believe it or not, that I think are going to help. So the content itself struggled with for ages because I just didn't have a very good system. I spent the last six months writing a program and part of that program, I thought I need to get this writing system down so anyone can basically copy it or just stick to the plan. And from doing that, I've gone from spending days writing to that last video I put out took me two hours. I just sat outside and wrote in the sun one day and just read it back and went, perfect. That works, Hmm. which was great. So ideally you want to put in the effort so you can get quicker and more efficient and stuff. But what you tend to find is once you've made that time up, you jam something else in to level you up and take you up further. So, you know, if I was to rate where I am as a YouTuber right now, I'd give myself a five uh, and I want to get to 10. Really? Um, you still think you're a five, yeah. five out of 10? Wow. Some of the best YouTubers I talk to are like, I want to get to a 10 and, and I'm halfway there. They don't ever settle. It's kind of like, it's enjoyable, but it's like, I'm not content with this. I can do better. I'll keep doing better. Like I intentionally made a mistake in my last video or I didn't, I wrote it. And then I was editing it. I was like, that's where the retention's going to die. I need to rewrite this or cut off everything past it. And I thought, no, just leave it. Let's just see if you're right. And I was. The retention dropped the second it happened. And I picked that up from a YouTuber called Zealous. I was chatting to him and he said, oh, I've made this video and it's not that happy with it. I said, I oh, don't put it out, man. Like, chill. And he went, no, no, because if I put it out and the retention's bad where I think, it was just confirmed that I know what I'm doing, I won't do it again. And I was like, ah, oh, I like that attitude. So sometimes now you put in the effort and then you test yourself and you're like, all right, I think this is where it might go wrong. And having that confirmation for me was massive because I was like, I'm not going to do that again now. I've learned I can trust my writing to know that I can get a flat line in my next video as long as I don't make that mistake again. So it's a bit of an obsession. (laughs) It's got healthier. I enjoy it a lot more than I did sort of for six or seven months. But effort is everything. If you really, really, really want to grow the channel quick, I'd have never met anyone that did it just making a few videos here or there. Sorry, Dan, I've got another one question I want to ask. <laughs> but we have five points that we have to get to. What's your question? Just very briefly, uh, Ed, you mentioned yeah. that you take yourself out of YouTube to learn things. Is there one thing in particular that you've managed to learn outside of the YouTube universe that's really helped you apply it back into your content, whether it be a book or, like you said, acting lessons or something else that's really helped? 
There is, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. Because ah, <laughs> I wanted to do it. It's uh, no, I, I don't think many my, my program. That's where we're about to go, isn't it? Put it this way: it's very, very expensive, <laughs> but it's worth it. And and the difference it's made has been helping me teach better, helping writing better. Yeah, it's based around storytelling, okay. basically. All I would say is, and a lot of YouTubers say this, and you're going to keep hearing it, is if you want to flatline your retention, just learn storytelling. This doesn't mean you have to go off and make a documentary. Storytelling is certain techniques that create anticipation. And it's about giving your viewer something to always anticipate so that when they're watching your content, they're continually having their own internal dialogue. So they're sitting there going, like Nicholas Crystal's just put out a video, and it's about him going to Finland to live, have these like seven days of getting outside your comfort zone. And the video starts with Nicholas diving into an ice pool. Now, it might not seem like much, but the question you ask yourself as a viewer is, would I do that? The dialogue started straight away. Or I'd like to do that. I saw the Huskies. I was like, that's my dream. I've always wanted to do that. This is so cool. He's hooked me because I've made the story about me. And that's kind of what this is about. And that's the thing that you really, really want to focus on is you've got to make your videos about the viewer and the storytelling is going to help you do that. And the topic and the format is irrelevant. You sh that shouldn't be used as an excuse because, you know, you've just been able to prove this in YouTube education, which I think up until your content has been fairly dry and formulaic. It's, you know, same for, for video gaming or like baking or like, I assume you can take the storytelling construct and apply it to anything that somebody wants to create. Yeah. But you got to turn around and you got to look at it sometimes and be like, look, I'm doing a tutorial. And if you're doing a how-to tutorial, the viewer doesn't want a story, especially for search. They just want the answer to the question. Now, you can use certain metaphors and techniques to make it more entertaining. Yeah. But, you know, you don't make a video where you're like, I'm going to show you how to play the guitar, but I'm going to set a challenge where I, I do it flying around the back of a mountain on a buggy, you know. It's a different kind of video so you have to you have to ask yourself what kind of creator do i want to be what's my goals you know what's my vision for what i want to do what's the best traffic source to help me get there and then think okay do i need story I and mean, the thing about story is your efforts going to go up you know quadruple your work if you really want to pull this off because you've got to find a story and i have people researching for me now trying to find me stories because it's not easy yeah. you need to find a good one so if you look at creators who grow quick uh, I, did, I did a video with leon Hendricks. just look what he's doing He's a business education channel for entrepreneurs that inspires people. And instead of saying, this is how you market a product, this is how you, this is how you sell your products, you know, step one, do this. He goes and tells the story of someone who did it. And it's so much more enjoyable for the viewer because they're watching it, piecing it together, and they're in there going, would I do that? And they've got their own internal dialogue that gets them to the end. And that's how you get a 60% retention plus by getting the viewer to just really enjoy it by feeling like they're part of it. Go and look at his latest video at the top. How this homeless drug addict became a millionaire. Traditionally, on YouTube, it would be five steps to become a millionaire. First step, do this. It's the same video. He's just turned it into a story. And it's so much more interesting. <laughs> Jeez, so that's, that that's the extreme that, end. Look at that intro as well. How much, how much uh, jump cuts and um, pattern interrupts but What, are what in I would there. say about Leon is, go and look how many videos he's made. If you want to grow quick on YouTube, this is the way to do it. He's not made many videos at all, mm -hmm. you know, and he gets millions of views because I think people think that you get more views as you get bigger. You can get a million views in your second video if you want. There's a guy called Josh Brett. I don't know if you've ever seen him. I was chatting with him and I could tell straight away he's kind of an exceptional character. I was like, Josh, 
have you unlisted all your videos? He went, no. And I was like, oh, you had experience before. He's like, no, was that, was that your first video? He went, that's the first video ever made. And I went, your first video ever made got 206,000 views and your third got 4.8 million. And he said, yeah. I was like, what, how did you learn this? And he said, I just learned storytelling and copywriting. I was it. So this is the secret. There's no secret, really. Find a story that's interesting and then educate people with it. And all these channels are educational channels. You just don't feel like they are. Dan, thank you for allowing me to indulge myself. The floor is <laughs> it's, it's why we're here. We're oh. talking about YouTube. This episode of Tube Talk is brought to you by vidIQ's channel audit tool, a sort of report card for how your YouTube channel has been performing. When you're in your YouTube studio, the channel audit tool can be found on the left-hand side once you've installed vidIQ on either your Chrome or Firefox browser. As long as you've authenticated your channel, clicking on Channel Audit will give you a bird's-eye view of your videos from the last 30, 60, or even 90 days. I personally use this tool to look for patterns with my content. What types of videos are currently getting the most views per hour? Which videos drove a lot of viewers to subscribe? What types of videos are my competitors creating and how do mine compare? What are the search terms bringing people to my channel in the first place? And if this is sounding like a lot of questions, well, that's probably because I ask too many questions. But that's why I love this tool, because I can get answers to all of them and more. You can access the channel audit tool for free when you download the vidIQ extension at vidIQ.com. So you had like five different points. So people yeah. here are thinking like, all right, show me your ways. I don't want to suck anymore. Number one was knowing... <laughs> you suck tell us about knowing you suck this is kind of like it's a difficult one we're all we all sort of put all this effort into our content and as a beginner in particular you might spend as long on a video as i do and make something that isn't very good just because you haven't built up the skills yet but because you invest so much time and energy and effort into it it's a lot at stake and as you get better you might be like oh cool my editing's way better and you're looking at it and you think i'm good I'm better than I was before. And you are improving. And then what you have is the people around you agree. They say, yeah, you are. That's much better. Congratulations. And they encourage you. And that's totally right. But what happens is it, it really grinds us down this because, you know, it takes a long time to get good at making videos. And, you know, you might make 50 videos. And be like, oh, why aren't I getting pushed? My videos are good. Well, they're good to you because you've gone so far. But to us, the viewer, they're still going to be falling short, potentially. And what tends to happen is you get your fans come. So I was always getting told, your videos are so good. I don't even want you to get more views. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And, I, and everyone was saying it. And, and actually, when I think back, I didn't need that. And it wasn't until I hired Daryl Eves for an hour. I said, oh, Daryl, everyone says my videos are so good. And he went, yeah, they're okay. And that's all I needed. I was like, oh, thank you, Daryl. I needed an expert like you to just push me a little bit more and, and make it realistic that my content was okay, but it isn't good enough to get far. And that was literally the moment where I was like, I just decided before to put a bit more effort in. And then I was like, now I'm really going to put as much effort into this as I can because I want him to turn around to me one day and say, your videos are good. And when he does, then I'll know I'm doing better. <laughs> so, you know, there was this element that you kind of have to look at yourself and go, although I am getting better and I am a lot better than I was, am I actually that good enough to get the views that I think I deserve yet? Am I, am I good enough to get Nicholas Crystal views? Now, Nicholas Crystal is like very, like very, very good. And you don't actually have to get as good as him to get millions of views. Um, but you do need to learn, you know, and when I say good, again, it goes back to storytelling and structure and retention and positioning. And these things are like an art you have to refine. So if you're sitting in that position where you think to yourself, my content's really good, but it's not going anything, rate yourself out of 10. Go and find the best creator in your niche and give them a 10. 
and then just look at it and you've got to be honest with yourself and go what am i what's my thumbnail compared to theirs and you're probably going to find you're a three you're a four and then you've got to look and go how do i get to a 10 or an eight and that's how you're going to get past and then honestly realizing that i wasn't that good was brilliant and, and that's why when you say to me you're a five out of ten the reason why is because i don't ever want to think i'm good at this because there's so much to learn so if i keep that attitude it's only going one way <laughs> i see where you're coming from because i think something i've noticed and i had to overcome this as well i think a lot of creators who just kind of start out they have like a certain idea in their mind about how they are at creating videos and everyone can admit to themselves yeah i could always improve i could always get better but there's that there's a kind of a point they hit they were like but i'm pretty good you know yeah. and there's like a level of self-awareness need on youtube there's something i i've been trying to find a way to explain this elegantly and i just can't but basically and it sounds kind of soulless but what i've been finding helps me is to detach myself emotionally from what i'm creating right so if i make something and it flops the benefit of that is i've already emotionally detached myself like i'm on to my next project sucks that that flopped you know oh well but what it also does is to your point you can look at it more objectively and you can stop and say okay that video i made a week ago like how is it really what could i have done better if i had more time if i was willing to spend that time fixing up that video and i think that's where a lot of people aren't doing their homework i don't know if you would agree yeah i, I do agree i think for me it was it's really funny when I first started this channel, we used to do three a week, I basically sent a message being like, I'm here to come to this platform to change things. And I'm here to make videos for the next generation of YouTubers. Someone commented on the other day and was like, this aged well. And I was like, I totally forgot about that. The point I was making with, I was like, this platform is so competitive. There was a time where you could be okay. And in some niches, there still is. There's demand, yeah. but not enough supply. But if you have a niche with a, a Matt Develler in, that's your competition. And if you want Matt Develler views, you've got to do Matt Develler content. Now, this probably brings me on to my third point, so I won't skip ahead. Now, there's ways around this, but I think the most important thing is just to push yourself. And every video, I was always like, how do I make this better than the last? How do I make it different? And having that never-ending sort of, it's got to be better than, I've got to get better, will force you to do it. And it is what is needed, unfortunately. Like some of the guys I chat to have a million subscribers, and they are more driven than the guys at the bottom because they're not happy. They're like, I'm, I should get more views and I'm going to get more views and I'm going to grow this to 10 million. They still have that same feeling that maybe you had from frustration when you start. But at the same time, it's what drives them. And actually, they kind of enjoy it. It's kind of like enjoying the pain a little bit that might drive you on. And I think for myself, the challenge has been one of the most enjoyable things because I know that growing the YouTube channel is one of the biggest in, in all the platforms in the world. This is the hardest one by far. And it's a real achievement to even like you get a thousand subscribers. It's, <laughs> it's so much work to get there, but you've got to keep pushing yourself. I like what you said about you step back from the video a week later and have a look. You don't want to see me when I've had a flop. I haven't had one for a while. I had one the other day. I've never seen such a flat retention at the end. The last 30 seconds, it was like a ruler. And I was like, that's oh, the click-through rate, the topic, what's wrong? And I thought, oh, never mind, after a week of being annoyed. <laughs> but you step back, you come back a few weeks later, you kind of start to see the mistakes, start to make sense. And that's some of the really important things about keep pushing yourself, keep trying to get better, is because you do go back to old content and you see the mistakes you're making. And when you start to see the mistakes you're making in your old videos, not like, oh, I'm embarrassed of how I presented or anything like that, but the actual writing mistakes or editing mistakes, that's when you know you've got better you wouldn't have spotted them back then. So strive on and know you suck. <laughs> so 
kind of rolls into your next point here. I feel like it rolls into your next point because it was studying YouTube. And a lot of what we just talked about feels that way, right? You're going in and you're actually studying your own work. I'm sure you build on this more, but these do feel like they kind of flow into each other. So I said this on a podcast the other day, but if I gave you two choices, watch my videos or spend that time studying the biggest creators in the world, you would study the biggest creators in the world. You have to build a habit, but you will learn so much by looking at the titles that do well just across YouTube you'll start to see patterns and things that they're all doing or that humans click on and you'll start to understand how to structure your titles better just from this practice of continue looking you won't spot it at first it'll be really frustrating if you spend 20 minutes half an hour a day which is probably a lot of time for a lot of people just go on the home page see what gets thrown at you you know keep looking go look at the big creators in your niche most popular videos the views per hour feature is amazing for this on, on vidIQ because it shows you what's active and look at the thumbnail and then watch the video. And then in your next video, take that creator's style. And this was one of the, the most helpful things for getting me better. Just try and edit your video. Imagine you're them. Be like, right, I'm going to make my video style in the style of, let's use Matt DeVella again, because he's got quite a, well, he had a unique style. A lot of people are sort of piggybacked on it. So you'd be looking and thinking, okay, how has he written his intro? You can download the transcript of a video. And you can totally take someone's transcript and fill in the gaps. You can take their intro and you can rewrite it as your own, but use it as a template. Don't stray from it. And then be like, well, I now need to film a B-roll and just copy his camera angles. And you're not making the same video as him. You're just using his style. And what will happen is it's going to take you a long time and it's going to feel like a lot more work. But once you finish that video, you've taken a little bit of one of the best creators in the world review. And then you can keep trying to do Matt or like I do, I'll go and do, who did I do the other day? Mr. Who's the Boss? That made me a better editor. Just for, I noticed on these little things he was doing and I was like, like I, I stopped in the end. I was like, I can't put any more time into trying to copy his editing. There's so much stuff he does that just flies over most people's heads. But because you're really trying to concentrate on it, even these like subtle movements, when the camera's close on his face, the camera's just moving ever so slightly. And then it's still on the wide. So I was like, oh, I better do that now. So imagine that in, right? It's like text and stuff going on. If you go and you study them, and you put all your effort there, and then you try and emulate them, you leave with a little bit. So I've got a bit of Mr. Beast in me. I've got a bit of uh, Mr. Who's the Boss, Shelby Church, I did something like. And these are great people to learn from. So that's what the studying side of it is. Study packaging, study their intros, study how they put together things. And that's all you need, really, because it's a game of click-through rates and retention, and that's kind of the recipe. And I think when I started taking that more seriously, that was a big, big deal. But I remember at first thinking, this does not make any sense. I can't, I can't understand this. Like, what are these guys doing? And then I started to notice, oh, hang on, all their top videos are called the same thing. They've just changed the title slightly. Or, oh, I've noticed they're using orange in the thumbnail a lot. And then you start to see the patterns. And then once you see the patterns, it's like Neo in the Matrix. And you see YouTube in a completely different way. But it does take practice. When you're studying, Ed, and looking at what to improve are you compartmentalizing it in like focusing on thumbnails for a period of time or titles or storytelling or are you taking a, a broader approach to this like one at a time <laughs> yeah where should creators start then what's what do you think is the biggest the, the, the lowest hanging fruit well i can tell you what i did and what i'm still studying now so there's too much to take off like you said you can't bite everything off in one go so my first goal was how do i get more viewers in the first 24 hours. My goal was to get a thousand viewers in the first week. And I remember I tried and it never happened. 
but I got 10,000 views in a day. <laughs> I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is really working. So the first thing I did was looking for topics and titles. I realized very late into the process, but early in the process of my new strategy, the titles are just about being interesting to people. So I went and looked and I was like, all these videos that do well, I just looked at titles. And that was the first thing I thought, I thought I'll up the thumbnails a bit, but I'll, I'll start writing titles that go against the grain of what I've been taught about search. Search and browse are the opposite. They're like the enemies in a lot of cases. They completely destroy each other's click-through rates. By going for a search-based title on the homepage, we'll do rubbish. Browse-based title on the search, probably do rubbish. So title first, and then thumbnails. And the thumbnails is the tough one because everyone thinks about the design and it's not. The It's all about the strategy. So it's 80% strategy, 20% design. The strategy is tough because you've got to get inside your viewer's head and be like, all right, with this topic of video I have, how do I get them to care about it? And you know, you do your thumbnail and title kind of together and tweak them, but that's the next thing you want to be studying. And what you want to be doing is noticing an uptick in initial views. I'm not saying this is going to break you out. In fact, I didn't ever think about that. I was like, I just want to bring back my 8,000 subscribers. And you can see that quite quickly. You know, you release a video and it gets a one out of 10. And you're like, cool, it's not record breaking, but that title definitely worked with these people better than the last one. So let's try it again. So every video is a test. And then you bolt on the thumbnail and you're like, right, let's push the thumbnails. Now I'm starting to see the effort on the titles paying off. So you study people's thumbnails. And then when that starts to work, you don't have to increase your attention. As long as you're not making awful videos, you increasing your click-through rate from a 4% to an 8% in the first 24 hours will significantly increase your views. You know, I have videos with rubbish retention that did amazing. In fact, the video I had, that I made that had a million views did really bad for my audience to start off with in terms of retention. It wasn't particularly well made. I wouldn't make it like that now anyway, in terms of the script and keeping people wanting to know more. I think it was about 40% in the first 24 hours, which is you kind of want the first 24 hours is your fans watching. So you'll have a much higher retention in those first 24 hours. So you want that as high as possible with them because it's only going to decrease as more new people come along. So once you've started to see these initial uptick in views, then you look at your attention graph. So for me, I was like, what's this drop off at the end every time? I need to fix that. And I study in that and I never really found anything. I just thought, well, I'd been always been telling people to watch this next video. I was like, watch this next. And I was like, I feel like that's the right thing to do. And then I thought, oh, hang on a sec. Why don't we just go by this idea that YouTube is about making people always want to know what happens next. So I just started to write them in a more interesting way. Rather than telling them what it's about, I'd lead with the problem. So I'd say like, you just watched a video on click-through rate. And at the end, I'd say something like, of course, getting a click-through rate, click rate is amazing. But if your attention sucks, well, what's the point? So now you need to watch this video to fix your attention. So you set up the problem. It's almost like writing off the content they've seen. It's like saying, this video was great and you've got here, so you obviously enjoyed it, but you might as well have not watched it unless you watch this next one, <laughs> uh, which is often true, right? So that fixed instantly. And I was like, whoa, my click-through rate for me just going watch this video next and giving no reason went from 0.9% to like 20. I thought, Oh, this is it was easy. <laughs> Every video since, you know, the drop-offs have ever so slight still. So then I thought, right, the next thing to do is to fix the slow decline. So I hadn't had a steep decline for ages. And that took me a while to really sort of get it flat. And then there's the intro. And I'm not fixed that yet. I've done some that are good, but I'm still working on that. And I know what's possible, but Sometimes it means sacrificing certain things from your intro that I want to keep in on a deeper psychological level. And then sometimes it's the clickbaity title <laughs> that, that, that hits me.
So that's my next project is get my drop off to sort of 15% in the first 30 seconds. And if I can do that, then the, the, the videos will hit sort of 70% retention, which would be great. But it's so important to start on the packaging first, because if your videos are okay now, I would honestly say that I've not seen, you know, I've, I can get a video, get 60% retention or something. And if the click-through rate ain't high, it's not getting more impressions. Um, well, you can't get the data not, when no one's clicking on it. Well, yeah, the, I honestly, the click is so important. So I know Mr. Beast talks about, you know, massive retention and so on. To me, it feels like an amplifier. It's like if you get that click-through rate and YouTube's willing to give you the impressions based on your click-through rate, depending on the people it's showing it to, if the retention's good, it feels like it's going to amplify everything else even more. But if it's almost like if, if the click-through rate isn't working and you get low impressions, that retention alone doesn't seem to drive it as much as the click-through rate. Now, it could be wrong, but that's just from my own experience. And the clients I work with, some of the guys that they've got like 75% retention, they're still not getting the impressions. And it's a click-through rate issue. So that's the pattern I've seen. Like I said, I can't confirm that's 100% true. So click-through rate first, packaging first. And then once you start to see the uptick, start to put all the time and effort into your content, not the other way around, because otherwise... <laughs> might waste your time a little bit but in a dream world you have tons of time and you do all of it together but we don't live in a dream world do we so <laughs> i think that's the most realistic option incremental improvements that's uh, it setting realistic goals really i mean well <laughs> or uh, i was always unrealistic with mine because it drives me i want the big goal you know i wanted to go from Eight EVs in a week, so you know, ten thousand in a day, sort of thing. And but my that... goal right now is is to get a hundred thousand in a day on, on release, which I don't even know. If, apart from Paddy Galloway when he did the Mr. Beast video about Squid Game, I don't think anyone's ever done it in our niche before. I've not seen it, but it's possible. It's YouTube. Anything is. I could go more general, target a trend. So that's my goal for not every video, a video one day. But you're working on that now, and you're making incremental changes. So you're setting a lot shorter term goals to reach the big goal. I would encourage anyone to set a big goal, yeah. but you don't want to focus on just that. Like when you focus on, if you're at a hundred subscribers right now and your focus is a hundred thousand and you're just fixated on that, you're, you're missing all the steps in between. Yeah. You're not going to make one change and go from a hundred subscribers to a hundred thousand. No, it'd be pretty rare. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think for me, it was always, I would do a video that was a bigger idea than I could handle. Some of the things I pushed myself to do were not an incremental increase. It was more a video I did about Graham Stephan was just like wore me out. Like, and it was it was this idea that was really too big for me to handle. But I was like, get it done. And I did. And it, yeah, I was exhausted when I posted it. And then it flopped. <laughs> and it's just so badly. But I don't know. I guess it depends on the type of person you are. It's like, I wouldn't recommend doing it that way. Because you really have to sort of put yourself through a lot of rubbish. But some people like doing that. And I quite like torturing myself, apparently. <laughs> I feel as if that's what all the most talented people say in their professions. Like, don't do it the way I did it. It's, it's, it's not healthy. But it's an obsession. It is an obsession. Yeah. And, it, and it isn't healthy at all. I thought about this the other night. I was like, this is absolutely bonkers. I talked to my mates and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm a YouTuber. You still have, you like, still have mates outside of YouTube? Yeah. After, yeah. They're always like, what's that mean? And to them, they're like, what? You make money from videos? Well, how's that work? And I'm like, well, yeah, there's like ad revenue and stuff like that. And there's like clients. And they're like, what are people paying you for? And I'm like, well, they just want to talk. They have a chat with them about their channel. And, you know, oh, that's weird. So outside of YouTube, this obsession we all have is absolutely crazy. 
because they don't have it on the outside. So and, and I think people do get addicted to it. And there is an element of you kind of need that addiction to keep you going because you have to put yourself through so much and so much hard work. And I think that's why a lot of people stop is because they don't have they enjoy it, but they don't have that thing where it's like, I'm going to prioritize this over everything in my life, which I did. I still am doing, but it's fun. So it's a hobby. So amazing hearing the insights of Ed from Film Booth. Remember that in part one of the conversation that we have with him, you will hear part two next week right here on the Tube Talk podcast. I want to thank Ed. I want to thank Rob and Dan for having this conversation. And we will see you guys back here next week for another episode of Tube Talk presented by Vid IQ. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk brought to you by Vid IQ. Head over to vidiq.com slash tube talk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video making day.